This episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast is sponsored by Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box that is full of awesome geek and gamer items as well as pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items that include a t-shirt, collectibles, and unique one-of-a-kind items. The onslaught of summer blockbusters makes May the perfect time to celebrate some of pop culture's unstoppable, unrelenting, and unbeatable characters and objects. The May box has something you can carry, something for your kitchen, and a cool figure to go with the monthly t-shirt and pin. Featuring two Marvel items plus Warcraft and Dragon Ball Z, no one crate should have all this power. Now here's the important part, listeners. You have until May 19th at 9 o'clock p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive this month's crate. If you miss the deadline, you're out of luck. Make sure you head to lootcrate.com spoilers and enter the code spoilers to save $3 off any new subscription. It's really that easy. Just point your browser to lootcrate.com spoilers. Use the code spoilers to save $3 off on your new subscription. Thank you, Loot Crate, for sponsoring this episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Yay, podcast night! This episode is brought to you by Major Spoilers VIP members. VIP stands for very important people, and their small monthly contributions ensure that this podcast remains free for all of you. If you would like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com for more information. I sure do thank you for your support. Now, here's your show. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course spoilers, and goes into detail about the topics discussed. So, if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items they talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, your ever-faithful pod squad goes faster than light with Image Comics, escapes the destruction of Krypton, and fights our way back to the battle of the vocal cords. Rodrigo's exalted, Steven's excited, Ashley's expatriate, and I'm X, the man with the X-ray eyes and one heck of a toothache, but that's not important right now, because we got the comic news, the movie views, the Mary Sue's, some thoughts you can use, and above all, we're cute. So pack up your troubles in your old handbag and smile, because the Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 676 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this episode with a friend. And really, thank you, everyone, who uh, uses that Amazon link over at Majorspoilers.com. doesn't cost you anything extra when you click on that link and make your purchase, but a little bit comes back our way and allows us to pay server costs month after right. month after month. So uh, get over there, uh, buy often at Amazon through that Major Spoilers <laughs> link. That's right. Uh, this week, we will be talking... Uh, Faster Than Light, Volume 1 from uh, Image Comics. But first, we will get to some news. Uh, First, we have Ben Affleck is now an executive producer for the Justice League Part Uh, (gasps) 1. Oni Press launches erotic and sex education imprint, and Krypton gets a pilot order from Sci-Fi. Let us spin that Wheel of Destiny. Let's see where we land this week. And it looks like it lands right there on number three this week. Krypton pilot gets a green light. Sci-Fi has announced that it's given a thumbs up to the pilot of Krypton, a prequel to the Superman franchise. Uh, Bill McGoldrick, executive vice president of scripted content at NBC Universal Cable Entertainment, which is short for, you know, what Sci-Fi does. He says Krypton is one of the most iconic stories in the comic book universe. In the talented hands of David S. Goyer and the DC Entertainment Warner Horizon television team, this exciting sci-fi project will take viewers back to Superman's home to show how the timeless legend began. Uh, For those of you that don't know, um, we won't see Cal-El running around. We may see a young Jor-El running around. But this this show focuses firmly on Superman's grandfather, um, Bobo-El. As he fights to uh, redeem the family honor and save his world from chaos. Which, I think it's actually Karis L. Is that who yeah. it is? Yeah. Yeah, Karis I don't know. L. Who cares? Um, so it, it at times I've heard this because this has been talked about for well over a year years. now. Yeah. It may be going on two years now. Uh, but I, I, I know that, the, that it was first talked about heavily um, – at least 12 months ago. And at the time they were kind of trying to make it sound a little bit like maybe game of Thrones meets Krypton, uh, with, with a lot of the, you know, the political intrigue kind of stuff that was going on. But I don't know. It's, it's interesting that sci-fi has only announced that it's greenlit a pilot. Whereas a lot of these other shows lately have been greenlit right to series. 
What are your guys' reaction to this? Rodrigo? Oh, wow. Well, um, I think that there's a reason why Krypton is gets like a single line mention in most Superman stories. Um, and that's because that's not the interesting part. The interesting part is like that guy flying around and like punching people through buildings and stuff. Um, so uh, the... The good part about that is that they can just add whatever they want because even though plenty has been written on Krypton, none of it stays canon for very long. <laughs> so this could very well be just like them wanting to write a sci-fi series um, and just try to add like plug in some name recognition to it. You know, kind of like uh, what was it like Caprica? Was that yeah. like right. That like prequel for uh, Battlestar Galactica that also I'm guessing not that many people saw. Yeah, right. it, I think it lasted a season. This one, this one just has one season written on it. If it even gets to gets to series, I I just have a feeling that the pilot's going to be written. Sci-fi is going to look at it. They're going to figure out how they can shoot this on normal, regular streets and make it make people think that uh, Vancouver looks like Krypton. <laughs> and then they're going to see what the, the, the budget's going to be for a, a series, and they're going to go, well, we're going to have to pass on this. I just, I don't have high hopes for this series. Matthew? We, I, I think we all said something similar to that about Got Ham, which Fox is apparently running with, and they're doing a big season finale with. I think that I have two major issues with this. Well, one is that Rodrigo was 100% right. Calling a series Krypton, and not having it be about Superman is basically the equivalent of that Speed Racer movie they made that wasn't really about Speed Racer. It's something where, again, they're going to do whatever they want. We may get, you know, people keep saying Stargate or uh, what's the other one with Star in it with the Muppets? Starship Troopers? No, he means Farscape. Oh, Farscape, okay. thank you. Stargate rhymes with Farscape. That's why I get confused. Yeah. And that's fine. That ca- that could be something awesome, depending on the execution. My con- my concern is this, and and it goes like this. I this sounds like a digression, but stay with me. I'm the world's biggest fan of John Constantine Hellblazer, and John Constantine Hellblazer came to NBC last year under the auspices of David Goyer, the man behind Krypton. David Goyer's presence on this. And that made me question whether I would watch a show about one of my very favorite characters. Mm. And David Goyer's presence on Krypton, a series that I'm already, you know, kind of uh, about. I am I am so not feeling I am not interested in this from top to bottom just because I feel like we know what to expect from David Goyer. Eh, and I, I wouldn't feel- I wouldn't necessarily just say I mean, I don't know if we had this discussion here or somewhere else, but David Goyer has had just as many hits as he's had failures. Yes, but they are all of a piece. David Goyer's big thing for me is he started with Blade and I was cool with Blade. Blade was kind of this weird, dark back alley of the Marvel Universe thing, and it really created the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But. It it really feels like everything that David Goyer does tries to be Blade. And again, I have not seen the big movie that just came out that he was involved in that people say is bad. So, again, I don't have an informed opinion about that. But I just I'm leery of it. I do feel like there's a question of is it going to be something that I'm even interested in? Is it going to be aimed at my taste? And I think the answer is maybe not. So I don't know. Interesting. Okay. Mm. Um, well, we will not know. And my guess is they just gave the the, the pilot a green light. I'm guessing mm. if they haven't cast anyone already, they've got at least a month worth of of casting to do. And then I'm guessing the pilot is already written because that's why they would give it a green light. Uh, but I'm going to guess that they're not going to have the pilot ready in time for San Diego Comic-Con. I could be wrong, but if it's mid-May now and... Comic uh, Cons in, in July, then uh, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna have enough time to get anything together. Maybe a sizzle reel, but uh, I'm guessing that they decided to give a green light to the pilot way too late. You know, at least with um, the first time that they did Lock and Key, they had a pilot ready to show at, at Comic Con, uh, even though Fox uh, eventually passed. I think I think Sci Fi missed a chance uh, unless it's unless they're looking. Oh. I mean, they don't even say if this is going to be planned for a fall season. I mean, they have to get out a pilot season first. 
right. they 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 could sit on it for a year. I mean, nobody's clamoring for this, so it's not like they need to be timely with it. Right, right. And sci-fi has weird seasons anyway. Sci-fi doesn't follow the September to yeah. May thing. They'll yeah. they'll launch a sci-fi original pretty much any month of the year. So, oh. Well, I think to to build hype, Comic Con would have been a great place to sure. to launch something oh, or do something. So that only leaves New York Comic Con, which would be in the fall if they were wanting to do something for winter. Um, but man, I don't I don't know. I just I don't have high hopes for this. Uh, I hope it turns out spectacularly. But I right. the last couple of sci fi series that I've watched have not been uh, stellar. I haven't watched watch all Haven? of them. I have not watched Haven. I haven't watched. Uh, I think the Magicians is sci-fi and I only watched the first episode yeah. of that and I really liked it, but I haven't watched anything else. And what was that one about the space uh, station? Um, with All of them? No. Oh. <laughs> it's just Outer re- space reason. astronauts? No, I forget what it is. I forget what it is. Some, oh, some was that like know. the, the it had Defiance? The Expanse? Yeah, The Expanse. Yes. I think that, that was a sci-fi show too. And I watched all but I think the last two episodes of that just because I got uh, busy. But they were just both Average okay kind of shows, so I'm I, I have a feeling that Krypton will eventually be an average to okay kind of show if it does go what about out of pilot. Sharknado Four, that's a sci-fi thing, and you know that's that's got more star power than the casino up north of town. Yes, okay, uh, listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can check out news stories, all sorts of news stories, previews, and a whole lot more, including all of our shows in our Major Spoilers podcast network. I'm also going to point you over to our YouTube channel, which I don't mention quite enough here. What I would like for you to do is all go over to YouTube.com slash Major Spoilers video. And what I'd like you all to do is subscribe this week. Just click on that subscribe button. What happens is as soon as a new video comes out, you'll be notified about that. It will show up in your channel and you'll see all of our cool stuff, including uh, Lego builds that we do. We've been doing some Munchkinland episodes over there that are video only. We've got another Ghostbusters gameplay coming up, uh, unboxings and a whole lot more. It's over at YouTube.com slash Major Spoilers Video. So please go subscribe this week. If you are a gold VIP, don't forget this weekend, Saturday, that would be April, or I'm sorry, May 14th, May 14th, 1 o'clock p.m. Central Time. That is our monthly live chat for our VIP gold members. We can't wait to see you there. And if you haven't signed up to become a gold member, there's still plenty of time. Go over to members.majorspoilers.com slash subscribe, members.majorspoilers.com slash subscribe. You can sign up. Your membership helps keep this show going. And um, as a bonus, you get to talk with us live once a month, as well as some other bonus content, including the Flashback podcast. Right. Matthew and I do, where we talk about each week's episode of The Flash. It can all be found over there at members.majorspoilers.com. This week's going to be a corker, I hear. Yeah, this one's got Kevin Smith. I cannot wait for that. And also Barry Allen inside the Speed Force. It'll be really cool. Uh, also, Zombie Girder. So you got that going for you. Zerder, as we call it. Let us get to some reviews. This week, I'm taking a look at Archie number eight from Mark Wade and Veronica Fish and Archie Comics. Oh, this is a good one, ladies and gentlemen. This comes out this week, so I'm not going to give away everything. But Hiram Lodge, Veronica's father, has been doing everything in his power to get rid of Archie or to keep him so busy that he cannot uh, date his daughter. In the process of trying to figure out ways to get around um, her father, Veronica discovers that uh, her father wants to run for mayor of Riverdale. And that's why she's been placed into this uh, horrible situation, according to her. Then comes the big shocker, the ultimate nuke that um, Hiram Lodge drops on Archie. He has offered Archie's father a fantastic position that pays three times the amount of money that he's making now, would totally get the the uh, Archie family, Archie's family out of debt. And the Andrews his, family. The Andrews family. And his, and his father is so excited because... Oh, man, I can finally send Archie to college. Bad thing is they have to go live a year in the Philippines or Singapore. One of those two. Singapines. Singapines. Um, And the family's all excited about it, except Archie knows that it's all a plot by Hiram to get Archie out of the picture. Not going to tell you how it ends, but it's a good one, ladies and gentlemen. I'm giving it four and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. Uh, Uh Really good storytelling. I think that um, the character's reactions and interactions of what are going on are really well done. The art is fantastic. Uh, if you are not reach, reading the Archie series from Archie comics, go pick it up. It's only eight issues in. You can get all the back issues right now on comiXology, read them, enjoy them. 
And I think you'll agree that Archie number eight is really good. All right, uh, Matthew, what do you have this week? I have Action Verse featuring Stray number one from Action Lab Comics. Yep, Action Lab Entertainment. Yep. They got a rocket dog on their covers. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I came into this is because of Stray, because I've, I've actually been enjoying the Stray series. Stray is uh, a superhero with a dog theme, but essentially it's a story of what happens if Batman is gone. And Robin steps up to the plate and becomes something really awesome with a Doberman mask. But what I did not expect is that Actionverse is exactly what it says. This is a crossover between the Action Lab superhero comics. So this book opens not just with Stray, but with Midnight Tiger, with Molly Danger, with a guy named Virtue, who is from uh, Fracture, I believe is the name of the title, and several other characters kind of floating around and having a big superhero universal crossover story. Now I grew up in the 1980s reading comics and I will tell you that I'm still kind of a sucker for a, an eighties, early nineties style crossover story. And I realized that this is actually part five of a six part story, right? Even though it's number one. Yeah. That's the one thing that I hate about the numbering on this. Mm-hmm. Is that all of the uh, all, every issue in this is called Action Force right. Number One, and then the reveal is featuring Stray or featuring right. Molly, Danger Molly Danger or whoever. Yeah, yeah. And so I stepped into basically the almost the penultimate chapter of this story, and I will tell you, it is possible to step into the penultimate chapter of this story and have a really good feel for what's going on because of two things: it handles. The superhero tropes and cliches in a way that is fun and a way that is not necessarily predictable, but is in keeping with stories you've seen before. If you've read Crisis on Infinite Earths, if you've read Total Eclipse, if you've read Marvel Superhero Secret Wars, you probably have a rough idea of the kind of plot this story is going to give you. But the real fun is actually in the character interactions. First of all, Molly Danger is a hoot throughout this story because Molly Danger is the most powerful of all the heroes, and she's also a 12-year-old girl. So all of the other characters are kind of dancing around and doing their tough guy shtick, and Molly Danger is like, no, no, no. At one point, they're like, what do we do if this virtue guy, he seems unstable. What do we do if he goes bad? And she's like, duh, you text me. It's a lovely moment. This is weird for me because this is a story that sort of has Stray's point of view, but it's not really a story about Stray. And I think that's another thing, like you mentioned, Stephen, having each issue be a number one featuring that character may actually feel like it's, it's, it's kind of a, at least a misnomer right. when you come into this series because it really is a, a limited series. And I might have preferred action verse. You know, number one featuring Molly Danger, number two featuring Stray. But then you know, also, I understand why they didn't do it, because these are in, I believe these are at least partially creator-owned properties, right? Yeah, these are all creator-owned properties. So, so you don't kind necessarily of a, want to prioritize. No, your- I don't. Maybe you don't, but I, I don't have the cover in front of me. But um, I mm. think on the covers that there is a big seal or logo or something that says part five of whatever. Yes. So that... Because when you try to organize this in your comic collection, you're always going to have action comics, action verse number one, and then you're going to have to figure out what order it is. So at least when you have the the order that it's in, it'll make sense for people who are picking this up casually or maybe looking for back issues. Or if you're organizing your comic collection, it will help you organize it. But initially, as it's just uh, listed, it's just listed as action verse number one. Mm -hmm. So and, you know, that that is something that definitely works, I think against the book but it works against it in a way kind of outside of the quality of the storytelling so it's a factor certainly but when you get down to it my big issue is if i read this book am i entertained and the answer is yes it has superheroes doing superheroy stuff it has big universal threats in a way that is familiar but not predictable it's not a story where you're like oh my god here's the moment that we all saw coming it's more of a this is something where it's like a a really good episode of a sitcom you've never seen 
say you sit down and you watch, I don't know, Two Broke Girls, and you're like, oh, I, I, I feel like I can, I can step into this world. I can understand this world. That may be a bad example. I hear that show blows. But uh-huh. – what you have is there are some rules of the storytelling that stay in play. And the art in this issue is pretty phenomenal. Um, I have to go back and check. What's the artist's name? Thank you. Sean Mont- Izaki. Sean Izaki, yeah. who is actually the uh, writer as well, which I was kind of surprised as we went through here. But the art is really, really well done stuff. And it, it is important to note that the Molly Danger style is not your standard superhero ranch stash. So fitting Molly Danger into this story and having her fit with Midnight Tiger, having her fit with Stray, I feel like they've they've made a lot of really smart decisions about the way this issue is put together with the art. And what it really boils down to is this is fun. I'm going to go find the first four issues. I'm going to look forward to number six. Three slices of meatloaf for action verse featuring Stray, number one. Also worth noting, the villain of this piece, or one of the villains of the piece, is a guy who's walking around with his brain in a jar. You give me a brain in a jar, I'm going to go buy that comic. I don't know why. And then, of course, somebody points out that anytime you see a brain in the jar, if I've learned anything from comics and video games, the brain in the jar is generally not the good guy. Moments like that really hook me in. So, yeah, definitely, I recommend this one. Go buy it. Cool. All right. Thank you. Rush right out in a buying frenzy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what did you get that one? I'm sorry. I was looking at something. Three, else. three slices okay. of meatloaf. Just wanted to double check there. Uh, speaking sure. of three, Rodrigo, you're taking a look at Exalted 3rd Edition this week. It finally, finally, finally released into print, right? That's right. Um, <laughs> you can go to uh, Drive Through RPG and buy the PDF or the physical version or bundle them up. And they also have a deluxe version that has like splashier color and stuff like that. So depending on exactly how much money you want to spend on this, you have a lot of options. Nice. Yeah. So Exalted is a property that I'm very fond of. I've played both of the prior editions. And I've been really looking forward to this one, um, less so than other people. And that's actually why I'm kind of enjoying this edition, because I kind of disconnected from Exalted during the second edition. And so I wasn't sitting there at the edge of my seat every day waiting for this to come out and then having to wait like two extra years because this thing was like super late, you guys. Um, But now it's out. Now it's out. People can play it. People can see it. And um, at least as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't disappoint. It, uh, so the, the premise of Exalted is that um, a long time ago, there were these great monstrosities that created the world. And then they made the gods kind of do their bidding. And then they went up to heaven and had drinks. And the gods were like, this blows. <laughs> Let's us go have drinks. But the gods couldn't attack the big uh, primordial monsters, so they were hit, they went like, "Hey, people, would you like to be super powerful and help us kick their butts?" And people were like, "Yeah, because they step on us." So um, these people became the exalted. They overthrew the primordials. The gods went up to heaven, and the uh, exalted were given uh, custodianship of the earth, which then, within a few thousand years, they screwed up, um, and basically. Uh, the game starts during the Second Age, after the Golden Age has completely crashed and burned. The uh, Solar Exalted, which is what your characters play, are the coolest and most powerful Exalted. And they've come back from a thousand-year hiatus to basically set the word "ite." Um, <laughs> so uh, this version of it really draws, really dials it back from previous editions to a real kind of like sword and sandals feel. So if you think of like Conan the Barbarian, your um, Elric type series, mm-hmm. um, you're more like uh, fantastical Chinese epics, you know, actual Greek epics um, and things like that. Um, that's really more of the feel that it's going for, of course, with a healthy dose of like um, anime guys with giant swords and crazy hair sprinkled on top for good measure. Um, really, cool. that's what that's what sets Exalted apart is that it goes not Tolkien, but most other types of fantasy fit in here somewhere. And so does Tolkien, but not in the same way. Um, I'm reviewing it now because I've had a chance to read it and I've had a chance to run. I've only run one session um, and it went pretty well. Um, it 
the combat system has been completely changed. It's it's almost entirely different from the previous version and the version before that, um, and really functions um, in a way that uh, really rewards kind of this cinematic ideas for a fight. Uh, you know, in the way that a you know when you think of two like martial artists, you know, balancing on a high beam, fighting each other, you don't have a guy just throw one punch and it hits the other guy, and then the next guy throws a punch and it hits that guy, and then they slowly kind of wither each other down. Um, you imagine that they trade blows, and then one of them gets the advantage and manages to land something decisive, which is how Exalted works. You basically build up momentum by you know swinging at everybody. And then when you have enough, you channel that into a decisive attack, which is, you know, that scene where you finally kick the Terminator into the vat of uh, molten metal or you uh, manage to, like, jump over a truck and and, uh, grab onto the bridge while everybody just crashes to death um, and stuff like that. so it's it's interesting. I ran a game. It went well. The, uh, combat was you know fast and furious, but probably mostly because I failed to actually challenge the players. They kind of had too easy a time of it. Um, but you know, once you like figure it out, um, the the book itself is really extensive. The setting is crazy, um, and um, they it, it's like really specific in a lot of ways um there's like just pages and pages on like the economics of this world mm-hmm. which is nice i guess um because uh sometimes it can get really uh complicated and this is pretty complex so it allows you to really get into that or you can dial it back and just say well this is a resources three purchase and that's it and not worry about it right um charms which is the powers that you get have greatly been expanded there used to be this thing where um some charm trees like dodge had like five charms in them now every charm tree is basically kicking around with at least 10 and some of them have 20 or 30 charms um there's a completely recreated charm or not charm but a crafting system for forging everything from arrowheads to the mighty wonders of the lost age And uh, it's one of the most controversial parts, most controversial parts of the new uh, edition. So a lot of people really hate it, and a lot of people really like it. And I like it. I, from what I've seen of it, I am very interested in it. It really seems to, um, it, it seems to create this thing where if you're a casual crafter, you can eventually build up enough uh, crafting power to create, you know, a good solid. Yeah. Uh, 17 foot sword yeah but if you're a dedicated crafter you can pretty soon have like skyships running around and stuff like that so it's it's pretty interesting um altogether i mean i'm very excited for this the setting is good they've added stuff they've expanded the setting and again they've dialed back some of the weirdness and in a lot of ways they kind of have this like less is more approach where rather than explaining everything that's going on they're just like here's an island that's full of lizard people they worship a cloud like and you're like, well, that's interesting. Can you tell me more? <laughs> no, you figure. No, we out. won't. Yeah. So that's nice too. That's actually the sort of uh, RPG writing that I prefer—the kind that just kind of sparks an idea, and then you're allowed to fill in the gaps. Um, so uh, altogether, I will give this uh, new edition of Exalted four and a half slices of meatloaf. It is really fun. It's really good. It's different. People that are approaching it from the previous editions will have to do some adjusting. Um, there's a lot of stuff to keep track of, um, but assuming that everybody takes it slow for the first uh, few sessions, I think you know nearly anybody can really get a handle on it. Um, so I'd say check it out. Very cool. All right. Thank you for that, Rodrigo. Listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. Of course, there's always more reviews over there. And there's also the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week. Week, 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 week. Hey, the poll of the week, people are probably going, hey, Stephen, this is the same poll of the week as last week. What's up? <gasps> well, it's the same poll of the week this week as last week because it's still so close. As Because of, I wasn't at Because it. you weren't at it. Two days ago, <laughs> two days ago on Sunday, <laughs> this poll was still at 50%. 50-50 is 50/50. How, how it was. Right now it's sitting at 48%, 54%. Who wins in a screening match, Rodrigo? Banshee or Black Canary? 
Uh, I mean, for my money, it would have to be Banshee because Banshee just seems to have more practice. You know, Black Canary kind of like holds off on the sonic scream and it's written in such a way that she has to. But Banshee, like, is just doing it all the time. Like, Banshee can fly with it and he can, like, shoot things with it. And I think he can, like, cook meat with it. You know, like, just basically he can... It's It's kind of this, like omnipresent tool and he's been shown to use more subtle effects with it which then get retconned out because it kind of like pushes banshee to be too powerful and nobody (laughs) wants that um nobody wants a powerful banshee no nobody wants banshee to actually be powerful like the the moment that you have like what is essentially a leprechaun caricature going toe-to-toe with magneto (laughs) people are like okay let's dial it back Uh, exactly exactly like Second Genesis Banshee is ridiculous. It's like he's actually probably the most ridiculous out of all of those weirdly ridiculous X Men, mm-hmm. and that's saying something. Um, remember, these are a group of X Men where nobody actually says yes; they all say yes in some like weird dialect or yeah. their own language. Um, but yeah, I would have to go with Banshee. Cool. Some uh, comments from that have filtered in over the last week. Uh, when it comes to screaming, it's not even close. Banshee all the way. Uh, I recall the Black Canary being loud enough to stagger Superman, and we all know how overpowered he is. I would go Canary over Banshee. Uh, Banshee wins hands down. Have you ever heard someone say he was screaming like a canary? And then uh, <laughs> someone says Tyrock. Who else? And then yeah. we have Banshee, and this is probably the best argument. And, and of course, uh, listeners, if you want to know how Matthew and I voted, go back and listen to the last week's episode. But uh, Raphael says Banshee can use his scream to level a mountain, put people to sleep, use it as sonar, and, of course, fly between other things. So my vote goes to Banshee. So, Matthew, how does it sit right now? Right now, as of this very second, 291 votes in the bag, 54% Black Canary. So an 11, uh, 12 vote difference, 46% Banshee. And I'm telling you, this is one of those polls that Everybody makes really good arguments, and it's really hard for me to make this decision because the character that I like better is not the one that I naturally would vote for in this situation. Right. But, you know, there's also the fact that one of them talks like this and is after your lucky charms. You're horrible. Listeners. I'm not horrible. Chris Claremont wrote him like that. Yeah, he really did, dude. Listeners, (laughs) now is the time to point your browser to Majorspoilers.com. And you need to cast your vote right now in the major spoilers poll of the week if you have not done so already. And then use the comments section. Justify your your vote. Justify your vote. We love reading those comments over at MajorSpoilers.com. All right. Uh, Oh, you know what? What? I got bit by a dog last week. What? I was out walking. Check Check this out. Okay. I was walking. I do my morning walk. It's about four and a half miles. Next week, it'll go up to five miles a day. But I was out doing my walk. And I'm just in the last mile of my walk. And coming down the sidewalk is a woman with one of these big, giant poodle-type dogs. Uh I couldn't tell if it was a poodle because it's not shaved like a poodle is shaved. But it was kind of curly hair like a a poodle dog. And I'm like, okay, woman's walking. That's a big dog. I will step into the street to go around them. So I'm like literally four feet away from the curb walking by this woman. And suddenly the dog just lunges out and bites at me. Oh, wow. And I was like, ah, you know, and, uh, you know, uh-huh. I didn't hit the dog or anything. I probably should have. But she's like screaming and pulls the dog back. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. My dog has never done this before. I'm like, well, you know, you probably just need to make sure you keep a better handle on your dog. He did rip my pants. He bit Aww. into me. Didn't bite me. This is the one thing I will say. Thank goodness for baggy clothes. Because if I'd been wearing some skin tight clothes, it would have gone through me. Uh, mm-hmm. Rip my pants. And... Kind of best of all, like maybe, uh, ripped the earphones out of my iPod and Ooh. tore up the cable in the process. Oh, now, no. why I say this is a good thing, because now I can go buy a new pair of tweaked audio headphones <laughs> at tweakedaudio.com. There you go. Now, I, the reason silver I- Silver lining right yeah, there. Yeah, no, it definitely was a silver lining. My wife has been using the last pair of tweaked audio headphones that we bought, and I've been using this kind of junky pair- um, that, you know, claim to have all the cool things that the tweaked audio, uh, headphones have, but don't, uh, they have the flat cable design, this other pair that I had, and they got tangled up into a knot that I almost couldn't get undone. Not so with the tweaked audio headphones, 
they got this flat cable design that I've never been able to get tangled up and get uh, and not be able to get uh, undone. It's just so nice, these headphones. Uh, Noise-canceling design. Best of all, they have these Hegon Sport earbuds. These are the ones I'm going to buy because they have this uh, thing. I'm not one for um, earbuds that go way down into your ear canal. I don't like these. But it mm-hmm. kind of these, – these ones that I'm looking at right now, the, the Hegon or Hegon, um, they kind of have this thing that kind of curves the inside of your inner ear. You know, it doesn't wrap around the outside of your ear. It doesn't go down into your canal. But it kind of has this thing that kind of curves the inside, the inner curve of your ear to keep them in place. I cannot wait to try these things because they look like they're built for um, sweating, to get wet, to get used like that. Uh, and, of course, all tweaked audio headphones have great noise-canceling design. They have a built-in optional microphone if you want to get that. Engineered for durability. So I'm hoping that the next time I see this woman and her dog decides to take a bite out of my pants and my Uh-oh. audio cables, that these tweaked audios stand up, unlike the cheap, uh, cheap-ass cheap cable that I was using before. Here's the best thing, listeners. I didn't get rabies. Oh, good. Yes. That is, that is good. But the other best thing is you can go to tweakedaudio.com right now. And you can pay full price or you can use the checkout code MAJOR and save 33% off the price. TweakedAudio.com sponsors this episode of the Major Spoilers podcast. And uh, dogs around the world, you're all awful. (laughs) (laughs) This was the most suspenseful Tweaked Audio promo. It freaked me out. I'm just walking along and I'm like, good morning, ma'am. And then suddenly, and just like yanking at my pants. I was like, what the what? The poodle dog, man. It's a good thing. It is a good thing. No, I wasn't. I mean, a standard poodle is a pretty big dog. It is a big dog. This, you know, non-standard, the left-handed poodles probably are what I'm thinking. Yeah, an automatic yeah. poodle. Right, the automatic poodles because, you know, they don't, have the, they don't need the clutch. Yeah, they yeah. don't have a clutch. Yeah, they're smaller. I'm they're kinda, smaller, yeah. I'm kind of glad that I didn't, you know, react to the dog, like try to kick it or do something like that to, to get it away from me because mm. I just know – you would have gotten sued. I would have gotten sued by this woman. It was totally <laughs> – because it was unprovoked. I'm just walking by like, good morning, and then – but whatever. Oh, and no. I, and, I didn't even, and it was just like, you know what? I'm having a good walk. It's not worth my time to berate this woman. I was just like, please, you know, you really need to keep track of your dog. He did rip my pants, but I'm walking on. Good, good day. Good day. Good day. Good day, I madam. Good day. It's probably all your walks. It's just like it's improving your uh, physical condition so you were able to like just like matrix away from it. And the weird thing is not all dogs do this, but there are many dogs on my walk. This makes me think that I've got evil inside of me. Right. Because many days when I go on the walk, I walk down this one back alley that's really nice. And all the dogs just come running at the fence, snarling at the fence, biting at the fence. And it's like, okay, probably because you think I'm a stranger in a strange land. Um, But uh, most of the other dogs do not – lunge out at me like that one did. I, I mean, I, I think people who follow me on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about, you know, I've only been attacked by dogs like three times in my life. Uh, this one would, would have made the fourth time. So scary times, man. That, that your pants are flappy enough that they look like a cuttlefish or no, some sort. No, my, my guess is that in uh, one of our listeners had commented, um, she had said, well, you know, sometimes older dogs, and this one did kind of look like an older dog, mm-hmm. just lunge out at people for no reason. Right. They, they can't learn new tricks, so they're angry. And she said that one of her dogs was like that before. Never bitten anyone before, but had done that. So anyway. And suddenly killed seven people. and Suddenly uh, killed seven people. Yeah. You know, I've got two dogs, uh, and they're little, so they're not that difficult. But I always move way out of the path of anybody who's yeah. coming because these, mm-hmm. like, they're completely random. If there's something that interests them about a person mm-hmm. or angers them, it's like, I can't tell. Well, Until it's too late and they're lunging. And then the weird thing is we have some supposedly strict pick up your poop laws here in town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet every day I am dodging pyramids of dog poop on my yeah. walk because people don't pick it up. And then pyramids you're also supposed dog. to you're also supposed to keep your dogs on a leash. And the other day I was yesterday minding my own business. And again, you know, mm-hmm. I'm already kind of now been, a, you know, dog bit me and ripped my pants. I'm out trying to work on the uh, sprinkler system. There was a problem with the sprinkler system. And all of a sudden I feel something brush up against me and I look down and there's a dog down right next to me. I was like, blah, this is like a um, lassie kind of dog, a collie dog. Uh-huh. And I was like, blah, what are you doing here, dog? Please don't bite me. And it was just the owners were walking down the street and just didn't have their dogs on a leash. And it's like, what the uh, what, people? That's another one, man. It's just mm-hmm. like there's so many people out there who are like, I got this. I got this dog under control. And the, the, the fact of the matter is that they don't. Right. You don't. Right. So, you know, when I was young, my mom, D. Wallace Stone, and I were pinned in a pinto 
by one of those uh, big St. Bernards with the barrel on his neck. I can't really? remember his name. Yeah. yeah. Mm, terrible. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Anyway, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, keep your dogs on a leash. Keep them close when others are near. So there you go. Let us talk space adventure. Space. Faster than light volume one. From, Faster than I light. It's image comics. Um, it is image comics. But I, for some reason, I want to say top cow. Uh, there's some. Um, one of the writers Shadow used to line. work at Top at Top Cow and Shadowline, yeah. yeah. Um, but this this story is about faster than light technology has been invented. So the we future. are we are about to go across the stars in a blink of an eye to go where no man has gone before. <laughs> we're just totally kill ourselves before we get out of the solar system. Yeah, we we totally suck. This um, this is basically Star Trek. Is what it is, and they even self—they're even self-referential inside. There's yeah. designs. Yeah, they of, lampshade it. Oh yeah, and they're just like, yeah, this is, feels totally like um, uh, Star Enterprise. Trek. Enterprise, and they even named their ship Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. But Star uh, Trek Enterprise was that story with uh, Captain Quantum Leap mm-hmm. and the first uh, few voyages. Yeah. So what's interesting is there's actually two missions. These are supposed to be one mission that everyone knows about. Everyone on Earth knows about, but then there's a secret mission. Uh, and so for the most part in this first volume, we are following the mission that everyone knows about as they're about ready to leave the solar system. And they discover a weird little black planetoid um, mm-hmm. way out there. It's like a planet that has never been discovered. It is Planet X. And for those of you who are into the Planet X conspiracy theory and this uh, planet that comes close to the sun every 10,000 years or 10 million years or whatever it is. Oh, man, you're going to dig on this part. Because they get to this planet in a blink of an eye and they discover it's not a planet. Matthew, what is it? It's made of tendrils. Oh, it's made of tentacle porn. Octopus yeah. thingies. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's hentai creatures. Octoplanet. Yes. And it wants to kill them. It's it's attracted to heat. And so the worry right. is that if it gets close to the planet Earth or closer to the sun, it will heat up and these things will attack the planet. And apparently they have attacked the planet in the past or oh. other planets yeah. in the past. That That isn't really made. That, that's one of several things that aren't really made very 100% clear. There's talk of how this actually led to them finding the technology. I'm not sure. But yes, these creatures at some point seem to have come to Earth and attacked Earth or been on Earth, possibly during previous uh, extinction events. Right. Right. And that's what. For the again, the conspiracy theorists would say that that every time Planet X comes around, there's an extinction level event, and people have to come back. So it kind of ties into that a little bit. Um, their solution is, well, we got to keep it from heating up. Let's build all these asteroids around it to seal it up inside. That'll work at least until they can figure out a way to stop it. Yeah, that. that'll totally work. Uh, then they then they uh, jump far out into space and they meet an insect uh, population. Bug who dudes. is kind of like uh, the bug dudes are like, uh, you guys kind of creep us out. We don't know if we want to be your friends yet. And then uh, the next group of aliens that they meet are a bunch of hairy mud characters. Mm-hmm. And the hairy mud characters. They're basically the pack leads. Yeah. The, they try to steal the uh, this artifact that they have uh, brought aboard their ship. And they're attacked and they get away. And then finally the bug creatures come and save them. And then they're able to continue their mission. That's basically it in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we get to meet some of the crew. There's some underpinnings and some uh, plotting going on between different governments and secret shadow organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, then you have, because faster than light technology was suddenly introduced so quickly, they had to retrofit an old ship, which means a new captain was brought on board and the old captain was kind of demoted to second officer. And she's not upset. And she's upset about that. And, Secrets and lies and conspiracies. Hoagies and grinders. Navy beans, Navy beans, Navy beans. And I'm, you know, there are a lot of questions that that aren't answered here. And I don't know if it's intentional because we're going to find it out later uh, or what's going on. But the main thing is there are these aliens, uh, this alien race called the, what are they called? The Alleds or something. And apparently this is where they've gotten their technology from, or they have a database of stuff or something has crashed to earth. We never find out, Mm -hmm. but they keep referring to this other alien race. And it's like, well, if you guys have never left the solar system before, how Mm -hmm. do you have access to this alien database and access to all of these other 
alien exactly. creatures and things. It's not explained in this book, which is really odd. You had a problem with that, Matthew. I did. And I think that there are a number of things about this story that were very difficult to get behind. And I think that that one is that expectation when you're thrown into a whole new storytelling over a universe, uh, whatever you want to call it. When you get thrown into that new world, the writer has kind of a responsibility to bring you either up to speed or make sure that the mysteries are get, that the mysteries are accessible, that you want to know what the missing information is, or that the missing information is somehow part of the story being told. And this, I actually read it in the individual issue format. Because uh, I'm not saying you know the the other thing anymore, but I found it interesting that I got to issue four and I read the story thus far for issue four, and it gave me information that I did not have from the previous three issues of the book. Yeah, there are a lot of things in here that are kind of taken for granted in terms of really clarifying for the audience, and there's that level of we've created these mysteries or we've created these bits of information that everyone in story knows we're not going to fall prey to the as you know rodrigo we -hmm. have been on the podcast for several years now and that's good i feel like that's something to avoid but you have to still somehow make some of that information available for instance there are characters in this book who are clearly clearly Russians. And right, I, right. It feels like Soviet Union Russians to me, which is like, okay, Soviet Union fell in 1991. This is 20 minutes into our future. Where, where, where does that come into play? How does that even happen? And I, I, you know, I get nothing. I oh, feel Russia, like Russia is still around. Oh, I understand that. But the the implications in a story, especially a spacefaring story that involves canonical Americans and canonical Russians, you go back to that question of the Soviet Union, the evil empire doing all this stuff, and to not even, you know, kind of to introduce those elements and not give us some sort of maybe framework or something that puts it in context, I think, I don't know, I found it distracting. I found a lot of the story being delivered distracting. So in that issue four, does it talk about the, the, where they got the database from? Um, no, but it's actually the, the part about the multiple, uh, extinction events is first mentioned that as far as I can find in the story mm. thus far portion of okay. issue four. Well, I guess, I, you know, and the, I'm wondering if some of it, I know there is augmented reality parts of this story. Yeah, there are. And the only place, and that was one of the kind of the neat gimmicky things about this is that it does have augmented reality pages and it says over 25 augmented reality pages. Mm-hmm. I didn't use any augmented reality devices to see what was going on because the only place I saw where it was going on were where these little creatures were talking to each other, trying to steal the giant uh, crystal thing. So mm-hmm. I was just like, and then it was like, Hey, use your augmented reality to see what they're really saying. And I was like, eh, I'm not going to go use that for just a, you know, a, like a translator. Cipher. Yeah. Like a translator. So nowhere else did they have any kind of icon or anything that said, Hey, this page has augmented reality or has other information that you need. Mm-hmm. Maybe that would help make it a little better. The Russian thing didn't bother me, Rodrigo, uh, as much as this second mission where these guys are trying to go to this uh, alien planet where the source of this database came from. That's that's still the weird part for me. You had some problems with this book? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know. It's like I actually had lots of issues with this book. And, and it comes from that sort of like story pacing. It, it really feels like this book is like, okay, you guys are up to speed, right? All right, so here's what's happening. And I'm like, no, no, I'm, well, I'm not. Yeah, well, yeah. What are you talking mm-hmm. about, book? And... That is not helped by the fact that a lot of the characters kind of look very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely once you get them into like big NASA-style NASA spacesuits, I'm like, I have no idea who this character is unless they refer to them by name. Um, and well, even then, I'm like, yeah. which one was that? Yeah, because you are introduced to literally 25 characters yeah. in the first two issues of this book. And so it does become rather hard to tell them apart. And yeah. To compound the secret mission with the regular mission is 
when we are with the guys who supposedly are in the secret mission vehicle, they slide up and dock with the main ship and then somehow go off again. It, it there are right. some real problems with uh, the just, secret mission at, and the real mission and how they get them point, confused. Yeah. At one point they come back to earth and drag the creator yeah. of faster than light technology along, but there's no story element that explains that they've come back to earth. We go from them in space to them literally dragging the man into the ship. Right. And, there's nothing that indicates a transition of time or space to me. And I'm like, wait, all of a sudden this guy is now on the ship. It feels like they like teleported him there. Well, or and I guess the, the, the point with the, with the faster than light stuff is they can literally inside the solar system be there within a second back to earth. Sure. It's which like means zero. You, can, you can give me a panel of, of maybe yeah. an establishing shot yeah. or something that says, meanwhile, while we're coming back to earth, I don't know. Uh, what'd you guys think about the art? So did any of you use that? Let me ask you this. Did any of you use the augmented reality stuff? No, I, I did not. No. Okay. I apparently, apparently um, 30 pages of backstory, appendix information and images add to the conventional comic book storytelling. So man, this book seems to really rely on augmented reality to help uh, make the story it? make sense. If we if we haven't read the augmented reality, maybe the augmented reality is just as disconnected as this. Well, like I, I said, have, there's nothing. There's only one place in the book where it says, you know, put mm -hmm. on your 3D lenses now. <laughs> That's it's, the, it's laser time, boys. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, unless they have something on a page, and I guess I didn't see anything. Again, mm -hmm. I'm reading in a, a digital copy sent to us from um, from Image. Right. Oh, you know what? I bet the like the little. You know, when they send the language to the guy and he's looking at, at the screens, I bet that's like a like a hidden image type thing. Oh, I wonder if it is. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, maybe I'll have to go back and really see. But this if, is if you don't have a mobile device, if you don't have a mobile device and you don't have an augmented reality app on your mobile device, there is nothing in here that's saying turn on your augmented reality stuff. There there just isn't. And that is unfortunate because. If there really is all of this embedded information that we need to know about, at least Marvel puts a stupid Marvel VR logo right, in the corner the of a logo. panel that tells you when to when to adjust the device. But this one didn't. And I think that's a huge failing. I would argue that. And again, I'm assuming having not seen the AR, I would argue that having a story that requires that augmented reality experience to make sense or to be cohesive is a failing. I feel yeah. like that, in a lot of ways, when it comes to this, this is kind of like, this is like my argument about motion comics. It ain't comics if you have motion. And I feel like if an individual issue, or in this case, a collection of several issues, isn't a complete experience without accessing additional information, then they haven't really conveyed what they're trying to say to me. Now, granted, I can see a lot of places where that type of AR could be really fun stuff. Oh, yeah. It could be something, you know, he's arguing with his first mate and the AR could, you know, give us some background or some depth or well, something. Well, and that's, and I don't know if you guys have used any of that stuff before, but whenever uh, I had done the Marvel stuff, I found it useful because it was giving you backstory information about who these characters are, what their story is. And it was, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think that you have to have, I mean, you have to have in the basic package information, if you are purchasing a, a collection of five issues, it, you have to have a basic package that makes sense. And then the augmented reality can be that additional mm -hmm. bonus type material. This is stuff that if you want to take that extra step and find out more about faster than light technology or the background of the Tholians or, you know, why that girl has shaved half her head. All of these things can be part of the story, but if the story that you're telling is is as as scattered as this one, is as staccato and strangely paced as this one, I feel like the AR is actually a distraction because I have trouble getting into the, the material you've given me, and now you're telling me I need to access additional material through an additional type of source in order for this to be a better or even, you know, to, for the story to be complete. And I feel other, like that's, that's a problem. The other weird thing is if you are reading this through comiXology or in some other digital comics reader, 
Mm-hmm. How are you? And, and maybe that's your only way of reading the comic and maybe you don't yeah. have any other digital device. Yeah. How are you supposed to even access the AR stuff if you can't point it at yeah. the screen? You know, have to borrow your mom's phone. Mom, Mom, borrow your borrow phone. phone. Yeah. Rodrigo, is there anything that you liked about this, this book? Um, I liked some of the ship designs. Yeah. Those were cool. Yeah. Um, the covers are cool. Uh, but this, I'm I to to say that I'm lukewarm about this book is is already kind of exaggerating it. Like, I there there really wasn't all that much that I cared for in it. Matthew, anything for you that you liked? I feel like, and this is a common complaint that I have uh, recently. I feel like the coloring and the effects were better than the art that they were producing over. Mm, I see. Especially on the alien planet, there are some alien yeah. skyscapes that are like these blue-green shades that are fully computer-colored and rendered, and those were pretty cool. And mm-hmm. the covers are phenomenal. I think that it's something that they've put a lot of work into making this look spacey and cool and weird, which I feel like that that work could show, especially in things like those 3D displays. And then you get into that Titan AE problem where you have the beautiful shots of the computer-generated aliens flying through the ice field, and then you cut back to the standard Don Bluth animation. Mm-hmm. And even though the standard Don Bluth animation isn't bad, you've got That's your peanut jarring. butter. Yeah, you got your peanut butter and your salsa together, and if you eat both of them, people are going to look at you weird. Um, but, yeah, I feel like the the – coloring the rendering the digital effects were really solid maybe more solid than what they were actually affecting digitally if that makes any sense mm. i got i gotta say something mm. as as problematic as this story was as this book was mm-hmm. as 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 we've pointed out all the problems and the plot holes and the unanswered questions mm-hmm. i kind of got a kick out of this book because soon as i realized that all they're doing is playing off a of star trek it was like, oh, this is like every horrible 1960s version of Star Trek <laughs> that you've ever seen. How do they get out of the? How do they get out of this particular trap? Oh, you know, it's this magical thing that happens in the third act. There you go. And right, the aliens show up and fish them yeah, out of trouble. And it's almost like you don't in, in Star Trek, the original series. A lot of time there weren't explanations for stuff, or if it was just really quickly written off. And that's yep. kind of how this felt. And I was like, okay, if that's how they're going to approach this series. I can t- and and also kind of combining the uh, the what was it nineteen nineties uh, Lost in Space movie, yeah. If I you kind of if you kind of go in with that mindset of you're mashing those two properties together, it kind of is a stupid fun ride. And I kind of just kicked back and went with the stupid fun ride, and kind of enjoyed it, even though it's not that good. Uh, I think really for me the reason why I was unable to do that is because the. I feel that the book kind of goes out of its way to prevent that a lot of the time. Mm. It's It goes like, we are flying in space. This is our first faster than light mission. Things are hard. Like, you know, it's like it's the interstellar type of space as opposed to the Star Trek type of space. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. we meet furry aliens who blow a hole in their hull in movies or comics or whatever where a hole gets blown in the hull of a ship that looks like the ship in this comic people mm-hmm. die yeah it looks like space 99 almost, De- yeah almost everybody yeah it, it decompresses almost everybody dies maybe some people get out alive that's like your terrible moment where like it's do or die and only george clooney makes it or whatever mm-hmm. um but it's this this comic is kind of trying to do it both ways it's like oh no we have a hole put the shields up and i'm, I'm like this has shields like, yeah and they mentioned specifically inertial dampeners yeah. Mm-hmm. An inertial dampener is flat out impossible Star Trek technology. And I, I get that, you know, they they made the point of saying, well, we had to retrofit it onto an old ship. You've got a ship that looks like Apollo 29, but it's fitted with technology that feels like, you know, the Enterprise 1701A. So I I definitely agree with Rodrigo on that. It's it's something where you're playing you're playing both sides against the middle when you're doing kind of, you're trying to do a realistic danger in space, Star Trek enterprise story, but you're also using things from like a Star Trek deep space nine era 
where it's established there are aliens who are friendly there are things right, you can right. you know there are stopover places yeah. that are safe yeah that's there, another like that that right there is another thing where it's like oh yeah it's like first mission alien monster planet sure second mission we're gonna go talk to these aliens and i was like there's aliens that they've already had communications with well like but that's kind of again that's where that alien database thing comes from because it's like oh we consulted the alien database and it says these aliens should be friendly to to us and we'll reach out to them and we've been reaching out to them as we approach or whatever so i mean they kind of do they do make attempts to explain stuff i'm not saying this is great but i mean once you just realize that it's that it's dumb fun kind of stuff it's i kind of let a lot of the stupid stuff just slip away okay. and just was like eh, i'm just gonna run with this and see how it goes now there's still a lot of questions that i said this really makes it problematic but when you're shooting at giant teddy bears in space i mean come on mm-hmm. you can't you can't take it too seriously there are some moments in here that also remind me of you know 60s star trek in the wrong ways mm-hmm uh, there are several pages that focus entirely on the the pretty young goth girl's cleavage. No, and there's the, only one page that does that. It's there's two pages. There's two pages at the end, and then we cut back to the next issue, and the same thing's going on. But still, I I definitely get the expectation that we're playing with that. But there are I don't want to say rules, but there are kind of boundaries within a story that you're telling. And even when you get to 66, 67, 68 original series Star Trek, yes, everything was more powerful than they'd ever encountered and was off the censors and everything was strange and weird. And suddenly Spock had an inner eyelid that nobody remembered that he's always had because that's what happens. There's, There's a point where you can get away with that. And I feel like 60, 70 years into science fiction, spacey, spacey, pew, pew, pew kind of Captain Video stories, when you're dealing with something that is that referential, and it's referential to something that's over half a century old at this point, you you have to be careful. You have to be sparing in the use of those older tropes because, as this story shows, they're problematic and can be disproven or, you know, somehow disallowed within the story you're telling. We're, we're dealing with a ship that is essentially, they, they say this is relatively sort of kind of regular technology of, of a time frame not too far in our future. And suddenly they have the ability to use the tractor beam to build a planet rock by rock. And I'm just like, yeah. really? I just went with really? it. I was just like, oh, whatever. Whatever. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like the reason why I couldn't just go with it is because the book spe- spends half its time fighting that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, this is a fun rump, but also we can't do stuff. Yeah, like, serious consequences. They, they, you know, if you think about the if you think about that first season of Enterprise, it's kind of a lot, a lot of like what we see here. There was yeah, more than like one this. season of Enterprise. Yeah, there I think was that three, ended, was it three or four, four seasons? I can't remember, but uh, I think yeah. it was four. Yeah, and they basically had the same the same problems. And you'll note that that is the Star Trek series that was canceled and that yeah. that kind of crushed the franchise because of the partly because of the dichotomies in the storytelling. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I think when you get right down to it, I can probably forgive a lot of storyline related, trope related, plot related issues if you're giving me characters that I can grab a hold of. But we're three well, issues into this book before I discovered that the character called Hippie and the character who was called by a different name are actually the same guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you're three issues deep and you realize there aren't two different guys, it's one guy. And the only character that we know by name is Saul, who's the, the guy who's actually not on the ship in the first yep. three issues. I'm like, there's just a lot of shortcomings i think in the way that the material ends up being presented that really kept me from getting into it there's some nice character work i think that some of the character work is is shot in the foot by the fact that everybody has the same narrative voice all the dialogue is just one guy it's like an episode of twilight zone where rod isn't paying attention and everybody is three little rod serlings arguing with each other yeah a lot of the dialogue had that kind of one voice back and forth thing, which I think may have helped as well. So, 
I'm just not feeling this. So I don't think that this is a great, again, I didn't say that this was great. I just, I had fun reading this because it's, it's silly and it's ridiculous. The most interesting thing is this is being picked up for a TV series, not a pilot, a series. Well, of course it is. This is ready-made TV series material. This is something where they've given you enough to grasp enough that you can take your concepts and your characters and you can hire your actors and attach them to these specific things, make whatever changes you need to make without really undermining the central spine of the story. Because as we've mentioned, there are four or five of those. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is 100% comic book as movie pitch. And I love the fact that it got picked up and that they're going to be able to do this. And I might even watch it. I think that if these words were coming out of the mouth of, like, say, a Grant Gustin or, uh, I don't know, the guys from Star Trek Voyager, that may be the thing. That may be the hook that makes it more than just meh. Yeah. Final thoughts, Rodrigo? Um, I felt that this book was fighting me at every turn, whether with confusing art or problematic tropes or just a difficult-to-follow story. I would not recommend this book. Um, I think there's lots of better space stuff out there. Yep. All right. Uh, Matthew, you've already weighed in. I've weighed in. And I think that wraps it up for this installment of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening and being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Be back next week because next week, what are we doing next week? Next week is, I think uh, you Teen asked Titans. for it, New Teen Titans Games. Yeah. That is the uh, staff, or that is the yeah. uh, listener pick. We're going to be talking about that next week. Why? Because we know that you love comics. We do, too. And we will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the Man of Steel. I'm gonna rearrange your things if you continue to debate whether Logan's claws could pierce Steve Rogers' shield. I just couldn't care less if they bring back Craven. podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.